Radio carrying 24 hours a day because the one thing that we aim to do here at Radio Pulpit is not just to become a station that you listen to, uh, but to also become a companion for you. You know, someone that you almost like a friend who walks with you as you you, you think out loud. Um, so remember that you can engage with us if you have any questions or you want to interact with us in any way. Uh, our WhatsApp line is open and remember that the WhatsApp line is exactly the same line uh, that 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 we um, are current is exactly the same line as the telegram line so simply use 082 657 2729 that's 082 657 2729 now Charles, before we talk to uh, or, or bring uh, Azola to to into the conversation right i wanted to ask you if have you ever uh, found yourself working a nine to five while also trying to pursue a career outside of it so that your nine to five doesn't necessarily become your identity. Yes. Yes, I did that. That's how I did my youth pass to work for, for years. Um, mm-hmm. I worked at Radio Poop at nine to five. Obviously mm-hmm. there I did the I am and I did technical things and all that. And I did my theology studies as well as my practical side of practical ministry. Uh, I did outside of that. Um, yeah, outside of nine to five on sun on uh, on Sundays, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I actually did something as well. I had three income streams at one stage. Would you believe it? Uh, I did. Um, I'm a sound engineer. I'm a qualified sound engineer. So I did that as well. Uh, and that I did actually did that to pay for my theology studies so that I can actually become a pastor. Oh wow! <laughs> Just saying that makes me exhausted again. <laughs> I—that's exactly the point I wanted to get to. Like the fact that I'm sure you can remember just how difficult it was, and I'm sure you had moments where you felt like this, these are scary steps to take, and I should probably just focus on what I'm doing at work, what's bringing in the the bread and butter, right? Mm. Awesome. Yes. Um, so we're right now having a conversation with Ua Zola, uh, who is a program manager and health strategist in the public health space. Um, he believes in doing what it takes to light up the world for good. Now, there is a very interesting concept, which I, I remember the first time I met him. I noticed that this is a, a concept that really lights up his world. And it is a concept of cross-pollination. And I'm going to leave it to him to explain what exactly is cross-pollination because I, for one, have, I think I've, 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 I've been infected by this uh, uh, concept um, and I've been spreading it and sharing it to people as well. Um, now, he hails from Springs, uh, east of Johannesburg. Uh, he is a University of Witz, uh, Witzwater Rand. Oh my goodness, this is always a tongue twister for me. Um, he graduated at the University of Witzwatersrand or the, the university that we all refer to as Witz. Now, Azola, how are you doing tonight? Ah, uh, Kevin, thanks for having me on your show. So for the listeners that don't understand, I just mean I feel gorgeous, young, determined, and, you know, I'm going to make sure I achieve my dreams by all means necessary. So mm. that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling very positive, very optimistic about life, you know. 
Um, so I'm excited. Thanks for having me as a guest. Oh, man, the pleasure is ours. I'm honestly speaking quite excited to have you here with me today. Um, now, I wanted to to find out from you. So I wanted us to sort of like unwrap you as a person first, right? We've we've gotten into yeah. a synopsis of who you are, what you do, um, coming fr- and, and where you come from as well. Uh, but how would you define U- Uazola? Who is Uazola to you? Yeah, that's a very difficult question. I think that's a question that a lot of people battle with until uh, I know the, the, the exactly last what you days. mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. But let me. That as it may. Yeah. I see. I see myself as a person who's been brought to serve. You know, mm. to really serve people, um, to help vulnerable, disenfranchised groups, to give the voiceless a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in in the public service. I've been in public service. I've been in local economic development agencies. I believe the brain that I've been given has been given to me to be able to look beyond myself. You know, yeah. um, if we look at classical economics or um, capitalism in the strictest sense, mm-hmm. it looks a lot at self-interest, and that's why if you look at uh, Friedman economics. I'll tell you that director's fiduciary duty is just profit maximization. Yeah. But that we've seen even last week that it's unsustainable. You know, it's mm, unsustainable mm. just to look at profit. So I really believe I've been I've been called to serve, um, to speak for the people who don't have voices, to integrate communities and create shared value. And yeah. I think that will probably lead into, you know, the cross pollination you were speaking about. But um, I'll just leave it there, like to say who I am in a nutshell. That's what I feel. Now, that is, that is very awesome. Now, you are a regular guy who comes from Springs, right? Um, and I'm sure that yes. there, are, there are guys at Springs who know you as, you know, oh, Azola, Azola, Siamaz. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And the reason, the reason I say that yes. is because I want to make it clear that, you know, as, as much of an accomplished person as you are um, and as you've become, you know, I mean, also in terms of um, I'm listening to you now and I know that there are people listening thinking, no, no, this person is very savvy, you know, um, and I want to bring this conversation home. What would you say was it for you, knowing that you grew up in the same area as, you know, there are many people that you can think of back home and you grew up in the very same environment as as them? What would you say was it that led you to be a bit more ambitious than them? Yeah. I think um, it's 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 multi-layered. There's a lot of contributing factors. Uh, mm. Primarily, I think the environment, the home in which I grew up in, um, excellence was cultivated from a young age. And for me, as an individual, I always wanted to be the best. I'm extremely competitive. Mm. Um, even when I started with academics, it wasn't even that I liked books. It's just I wanted to be the best. Every time I played soccer, I wanted to be the captain. I wanted to be the best. So it, it really comes back to Greek philosophy. You know, when Aristotle speaks about excellence is not an act, but a habit. Yeah, yeah. We are what we repeatedly do. Mm. So for me, um, from a very young age, I always wanted to get the star. I even remember in, in grade one, like uh, I have the teacher called Mrs. Kemery. Um, which I still see at the local uh, pick and pay here and there, which is a great moment. But like, I always <laughs> wanted to be the kid who gets the star. I always wanted to be neat. You know, um, it's just, I don't know how to really define it, but it's something that's, I've, I've always had a burning desire, but it wasn't only the burning desire. 
Mm. It was also being able to see beyond my environment. Mm. I remember telling my mom growing up that I want to go study in a university abroad, you know. Yeah. Um, I've been blessed enough to do that. And that's the thing. You know, yeah. the things yeah. we say with our mouths, um, they come to fruition. So mm. a lot of the things I'm seeing that are happening now in my life when I look in retrospect, it's things that I actually confessed into the universe, but I didn't only confess it, you know. I made sure that, you know, I followed through. I think a lot of us, what 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 keeps us where we are is that there's really no follow through, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think has, there's always been that, that desire to be the best, you know, mm. at everything mm. I do. So yeah. I want you to just take a moment to paint a, a, a picture for us, right? In terms of um, you and, and the world, that, the space that you exist in right now. Um, I remember having a conversation with you. This was probably like literally the moment we met and you were talking about how you're on a goal to diversify your portfolio. Um, and the reason I feel like this is such an important thing for young people to understand. Um, and I'm, I, 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 let me rather first ask you this. I, I Have you also experienced in other people that when one steps into a nine to five, especially if it's a good job, it tends to form part of your identity. Like you don't see yourself beyond that point. Um, I tend to agree. It happens to a lot of people. Mm. And this is part of what I call social architecture. You know, sometimes we have Ooh. voices of our Ooh. environment. I love that. And we, 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 we really are regurgitating our actions, our lives is a regurgitation of the voices of our environments. So sometimes a lot of people aren't thinking, you know, I remember when I got to varsity, I studied accounting just because I was a top student, but I didn't like accounting. When I got to varsity, I started understanding who I am. But at that point, I was just thinking thoughts of my environment. And that's what happens. Like you get told, go to university. After you get a degree, get a job. And like in certain cultures, particularly in the black culture, once you have medical aid and you're permanent, you're, mm, you cannot mm, mess this up, mm. which I feel is a fundamental trap if you want to be great and excellent, you know. Mm. Um, so a lot of people fall into this trap. And it's also, I think, a lack of also understanding maybe um, financial literacy because now people put themselves in uh, a lot of debt uh, to service a lifestyle that they cannot afford. And then once you get that lot of debt, you're locked in, you're locked into that job. You cannot move. You need to stay there. And this is what diversification is. So when you have only one income stream, like a nine to five job, yeah. that is a concentration risk. You mm. know, if you were investing in the stock market or equities, securities, um, that's that's you've got a concentration risk. All your eggs are in one basket when you bring it into layman's terms. But now, once you say, I've got a nine to five, like myself, you know, I'm a speaker. I love speaking at events. I love motivating people. Then you have a second income stream. Maybe you're doing something else. Some people do maybe digital web design, photography, whatever it might be that you're doing on the side or what is commonly referred as a side hustle. Yes. That is diversifying your risk. So that if something happens, and I think the diversification of risk has become very important in the past two years 
where we've seen a lot of people get retrenched um, as per labor relations commonly referred to as section 189 letters. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have received section 189s and they don't know what to do because all the eggs have been in one basket. And this is, it's, it's, it's a wicked problem, you know, uh, given there's many variable issues. As I said, uh, the voices of your environment, a lack of financial literacy, now being indebted and needing to be in this job. Some people, it's even having offspring, you know, if you've mm. got children, you're, mm. you're, you're, you're less able to move. So, um, it, 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 it's multi-layered. It, it would be difficult just to give one blanket statement for this answer. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Now, coming back to when uh, I was, I was saying that, just paint us a picture. So I know that uh, for one, you, you, well, you've already mentioned that you do speaking, right? Uh, you're a program yes. manager, and you also do your health strategist as well. Um, now, apart from these three hats, where that you're using to currently diversify your portfolio, uh, what other, what other uh, places do you have your your hand in? So currently, I'm actually doing a due diligence. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm looking into fiber. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in internet service providers. I believe data costs are exorbitantly expensive in South Africa. I could not agree with you more. (laughs) And the thing is, when, when, when we're living in a state like South Africa, which has the highest Gini coefficient, meaning the highest income disparity gap, Mm. We are finding ourselves in a situation where data is the ability to move. So there's usually what we call an information gap. Like someone like me who was born, you know, um, close to the township, you couldn't even argue that I was born in the township. You know, um, what happens is compared to someone who's living in the suburbs is that that person has more access. They've got more access to money. They've got more access to data. You know, so I'm interested in data. Right now, as I said, I believe in creating shared value. So um, I do believe in making money, but I believe you need to impact the society as well. So current data costs are extremely exorbitant. And I think if we have more ISPs or Internet service providers, which are providing more affordable data, particularly in your peri-urban communities, your townships or your rural and remote areas. And that's where the need is. Data cannot be 699 a month. You know, we are increasing inequality in South Africa. And so for me, that's one thing that I'm interested in right now. I'm working tirelessly on it and I'm hoping to provide data at way cheaper costs to the people. Mm, mm, mm. I'm really looking forward to that. If there's one thing I've been praying for in terms of South Africa, right? I've really, really been praying for our data costs to go down because I think something else that uh, I'm sure perhaps you share the same sentiment, like being able to access uh, data and access the internet opens so many opportunities. Exactly. And and this is not just for people in urban areas, but also for people in the rural areas. Like you could literally... Mm run a business that's based in um, yes. Central America while you're sitting here at Soweto or you sitting yeah. in KwaZulu-Natal, you know what I mean? Um, mm, is is yeah. that one of the things that drive you towards that uh, fiber direction? No, definitely, definitely. Um, the world is going digital and I think it's been expediated by obviously the coronavirus We're seeing offices, Facebook has now Facebook Workplace. A lot of offices have moved virtual. I'm working virtually. We're more connected. Mm. And even when COVID ends, like, you know, um, people are going to realize, particularly 
uh, companies, when they're looking at their financial statements, they're looking at their overheads, they're going to look at their rents and their infrastructure costs and say, we don't need to have this brick and mortar. You know, yes. we don't need to have this brick and mortar. We're going to move online because it's cheaper. Um, it's quicker, you know, and even when you have brick and mortar, there's so many more ancillary costs, like small things like toilet paper in a company which has a thousand employees. The amount of savings that companies have been able to make is incredible. So we are moving into the digital world, the digital space. And that's why I believe that's where I need to be operating. And that's where we need to bring more Equality. I mm. believe data is the new farming, you know. Mm. Mm. That is very yeah. interesting. Data is the new farming. That is very interesting. Now, what are your thoughts on, um, I don't know if you've seen that a lot of people, um, especially I saw this in the United States, and I've realized that even here at home, uh, a lot of people are beginning to have this attitude, actually. Um, there's been a few people who have left their jobs simply because their companies requested for them to come back and work. And I have a friend who uh, works in uh, the software engineering uh, field, and he was saying yes. that if the company that he currently works for requests, after this, we've, we've gone through this whole lockdown situation, if they request for him to go back to work, he's done. Like, he's just going to leave the company <laughs> and find a situation yeah. that where he can actually work from home and be with his family and still produce yes. uh, the, the KPIs that the company is looking for. What are your thoughts yes. on that attitude? So, firstly, I believe each to his own. So, yeah. certain things yeah. work for certain people and mm. certain things don't work for other people. And it, it also is dependent on the nature of work you do. Mm. So like someone like me, today I was dealing with a local labor issue at one of the developments in which I am managing. Mm -hmm. And it's a construction site. So technology has not advanced to the stage in which someone like myself can say I can go completely offline because I still need to go on site. The building needs to be built, you know. Mm. I'm still in the property space. So when maybe you're in software engineering, it becomes, as the gentleman you've mentioned as an example, mm -hmm. it becomes maybe a little bit easier to say that type of statement, you know. But also, um, like, I think some people are more productive at home. I've read quite a number of academic articles, um, particularly in the Harvard Business Review, um, which is one of my favorite journals, like, to come up with current articles. They mention a lot of productivity has increased. You need to be mindful given, like, now someone like me, I'll drive an hour to get to work, you know? Mm, so mm. if it's there's an accident, maybe it's an hour and a half, two hours. That's two hours out of my day. Mm. And there might be someone who's got road rage. Now I get into a different mood. But whereas when I'm waking up in my own space, and if you love your own space, you know, um, then you are able to be more productive. But then on the other side of the coin, because I always like to triangulate my arguments and not just focus on, you know, um, one side of, of the of the coin. And this is the cross-pollination again, I suppose. Yeah. Um, looking at both left and right. So on the other side, there's people who are having severe anxiety. You know, it's been called cabin fever. Some people are people's persons. They want to see their colleagues. They perform best when they see people. They love getting into new environments. So I think it is always going to be dependent on the individual. That's why I started with each to his own. I, I think if you. it makes you more productive, go for it.
I see exactly what you mean. You know, as you mentioned that, I'm actually remembering um, a time when here at work, one of the things I used to look forward to is coming in the morning. Uh, the person I'm hosting the show with, Charles, will tell you, uh, one of my favorite things to do early in the morning is to come in the office and then walk b- past his office and it'll be smelling of coffee beans, <laughs> like, you know, fresh you morning exactly. coffee beans. <laughs> and then we just sit <laughs> and have uh, share a cup of coffee and catch up on what's been happening in the country, what's happening in, in one in each other's lives. I think that those are some moments that I just would not trade at all. But now, um, here's what I want to find out from you. I love, I'm starting to love asking this question to almost everyone um, that we interview on the show. So you're a speaker, Mm -hmm. right? Which I know is is, is a profession that has placed you on many different platforms. Um, So I want you to um, sort of amuse me here. So we're going to have one end (laughs) of the spectrum and then we're going to have the very other side of the spectrum. I'd like you to, first of all, share a moment where you believe was like the high point of your career as a speaker. You can choose whichever one to start off with and then share a moment where you felt like this was a low point, where you felt like, you know what, I almost gave up, but I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have gotten to this high point here. Sure. That's a very difficult one, but a really high point. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to the mayor of a county in Texas, in Lubbock. So mm. I was afforded an opportunity to go to the U.S. and study there to be a Mandela Washington Fellow for Young African Leaders for the work I had done in healthcare. This was the provision of healthcare services in remote and rural areas. Mm-hmm. So we were a group of young African leaders like all over Africa. And we had an opportunity to go to the mayor of that that county and they wanted someone to speak on behalf of the young African leaders. And I had to speak on behalf of our cohorts. And that was really a moment where I could change the narrative, you know, because the wow. narrative of Africa is usually uh, people of hunger, people that need financial aid. So I got up there and I told them that, you know what, I come from a beautiful country. I've been blessed. I, I, I have a great life. I don't have a sad story to tell you, you know. So for mm. me, being able to, you know, spread the different touch or textures of what Af- being African is, you know, to... To, to, to the West was just such a beautiful moment, you know, um, a moment of ownership and a moment of just being able to say that we can define ourselves the way we see ourselves. Africa is not just about hunger and financial aid. There's beauty, there's color, there's people, you know, there's hopes and there's dreams. So I could just change the narrative. That was really the highlight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happened in 2009, one of the best moments of my speaking career. And obviously it was abroad. It was the first time for me being in the U.S. So that also added, you know, to obviously the um, making it an auspicious occasion. Oh, yes. So a low point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a low point, I think. So I started speaking very early. So I don't know if you remember, I'm an Eisteddfod. So when you're in primary school and you need to recite poems. So yes. I used to recite poems in, in, in primary school and I did public speaking as well as debating. And it has served me quite well. And in university, I joined Toastmasters. But the worst maybe moment was in Eisteddfod. You know, I don't remember the poem particularly because I was a, a young lad. Yeah. However, I forgot my words 
And I hadn't garnered the confidence to be able to say, when you forget your words, just carry on. Everyone in the room is rooting for you. So that would probably be my worst moment, you know, um, in terms of speaking. Since then, it's been quite well. I think the thing is, a lot of people actually, everyone is nervous when they go up and speak. Even true. I'm nervous. Yeah, true. But um, I, just, I, just, I just always remember that no one out there is wanting you to do badly. You know, oh. everyone is actually rooting for you. That's a so, very yeah, good mindset. Yo, thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, now I want us to get into this. You've you've been hinting at it and you've been touching on it a little bit. Uh, I want to read this uh, quote. I'm actually quoting you here. I am intrigued by the cross pollination of ideas between left and right brain thinkers who are actively seeking solutions to business problems. So explain this concept of cross pollination and why it's so important to you. Um, so the concept is really just, as I mentioned earlier on, it's like if you're doing maybe research, like maybe in your academic studies, when you're looking at validation, how do you validate your arguments? So there's uh, something called triangulation. So looking at both sides of the coin. So an example which I think is pertinent and apt right now mm-hmm. would be the looting in South Africa. So if you look at the looting, you can argue from the one side as someone who's a property owner that there has been damage to your property. On the other side of the coin is communities which feel disenfranchised, feel vulnerable, and communities which feel that they do not have a material interest or any interest in that property. You know, mm-hmm. So for me, I want those two people to sit in one room. So when we look at um, business that cares, it started off with philanthropy you know, where people are giving out donations and then it went to corporate social responsibility. That's now governance and transparency and where we're seeing King Code as, you know, the authority in the space. But now there's something new called the enlightened shareholder value approach. So creating shared value. So cross-pollination to business problems is like looking at the looting problem and saying, we have a group of people who say we're not benefiting at all from these developments and people from outside, outside investors are making money off our, you know, communities. And then you have developers who say, no, 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 these guys are maybe hooligans or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, And they're Mm -hmm. just looting. So I am interested in having shared value. How do we make those two people meet? How do we mediate? How can we create value for each of them? And that is the enlightened shareholder value approach. And for me, I think that is the only way business can be sustainable. The current capitalism model, which we see all over the world and including South Africa, is just not sustainable. And I think in the past couple of weeks, we've seen how not sustainable it is because the chickens have come home to roost. Mm, I absolutely agree with you, Hey, and you've explained it in a very, very good way. Um, so now before before we say goodbye to you, uh, I'm sure there's probably someone listening and thinking that this this sounds like a gentleman who can add value uh, to whatever I'm doing here. So or if there's anyone who'd even like to get to know more about you, how can uh, the audience connect with you? So they can maybe connect with me at a dot Zegandaba at gmail dot com. So it's a dot m z e k a n g a-N-D-A-B-A at gmail.com. Say a.mzegandaba at gmail.com. Or alternatively, I do use Instagram. I'm not too big on social media, 
um, mm-hmm. for particular reasons uh, professionally. But um, I also, I used to do personal training, but that's something that I'm not doing anymore, talking about uh, diversification of your portfolio. So they can also find me at Azola underscore fit on Instagram, Azola underscore fit. Okay, awesome. Azola, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Eh? Um, I hope you're going to be having a blast of a weekend. I definitely will. Thank you so much for taking time to invite me onto the show. I always love coming onto Radio Pulpit. I love the work you're doing and just keep it up. And in Michelle Obama's word, I think we need to be cautiously optimistic. The country has had a difficult past two weeks. But as I say, there's always a law of polarity. There's always the negative and the positive. And in this time, we can rebuild together. And that's looking at the positive. And we need to harvest that good. So thank you so much, Given, And thank you to your listeners. Take care. Awesome. Same to you, hey. Um, and that was Azo Alam Zekandaba joining us.